Now, live from Washington, D.C., it's Ryan Horvath, Trista Crick, and Nick Ashew. And we're 15 minutes away from kickoff for the second game of our Monday night football doubleheader. Eagles up 3 nothing on Tampa right now. Philly a 5.5 point favorite. Ryan, that total dropped again. You liked it at 38. It's down at 36.5. It continues to plummet its way down. Yeah, good, because I probably should have stayed away from the player props. Just went side and total in this game, like I said, coming in tonight. But, hey, it is what it is. At least the hey, the Baker pass attempt should get home, though. Six of nine already, 58 yards. And he's taking a sack. I'll feel good if we get to, like, 15 uh, going into the half. So we'll, seems, we'll look at well, right. seems like we're at least on pace for that at this point. 11 and a half minutes to go in the second, so, you know. Should be good. It's starting to starting to trend in that direction. All right, Danny Cannell is the host of Dusty and Danny in the Morning Sirius XM College Sports Radio, also CBS Sports Cover Three podcast. Jumps on with us now. Look, we, everybody was really excited about this past weekend in college football, and and rightfully so. And one of the first games we got was that Clemson Florida State game. You got the seven game win streak in Clemson, and it felt like they've kind of you know they've been the the big brother of Florida State rebuilding that program. When, it's all said and done. You watch that game. Did it feel more like Florida State actually won that, or did you kind of look at this and go, Clemson kind of lost this game? You know, it was interesting. I was talk- We were talking to Neil Brown, the head coach of West Virginia last uh, week on, the- on my morning show, and he actually said most college football games, he really kind of said NFL, but I do think it's more specific to college football. He said more games are lost than more games are won. Like, you just don't want to screw it up, and more times than not, the other team is going to screw it up. To answer your question, it did feel like Clemson lost that game. I mean, they outgained Florida State. They had the lead, you know, throughout the game. The only time they didn't was when Florida State scored in overtime. It did feel like Clemson lost that game. But on the other hand, your Florida State, you know, this is a, a hurdle that you've been trying to get over for seven years now. You'll take it. It doesn't care what it looks like. A win is a win. You get out of Dodge. Death Valley there is a really tough place to play. And I still think Clemson, they've been getting bashed because they lost to Duke. But Duke was a nine-win team last year. I still think Clemson's going to finish the year really strong. And that win is going to look better at the end of the season than even possibly than it did, you know, on Saturday. Danny, I'm an Oregon grad. And so for as long as I can remember... Uh, the Pac-12 just gets straight owned by the SEC. It's just like death taxes and the SEC being better than, than our conference. And now it feels like it's completely flipped. The Pac-12 feels like it's better than ever. Every single team feels like it's got a shot to at least be in the hunt. Bunch of teams ranked in the top 25. And the SEC is just straight trash. Uh, how do you explain this phenomenon? Uh, it's cyclical. You know, it's the cycles of college football. I think it's sad, honestly, that this is, you know, this is the Pac-12 swan song. This is their final year in existence, which is still boggles my mind how a conference that's been around for 100-plus years is gone, like in the blink of an eye. Overnight, it feels like the thing just died. And here we are in the last year, and they're having their best season that we've seen in recent memory, 10, 15 years. I'd probably go back to when – you know, Pete Carroll was at USC was the last time, and, and Chip Kelly was at Oregon, and they were having all these great, you know, teams come out of there. It's been that long since the Pac-12 has felt this relevant. Eight teams last week in the top 25. It tied a record with the SEC. Um, they've got multiple national championship contending teams. Your Oregon Ducks would be one of them. The Washington Huskies are still flying under the radar uh, who I think have probably the best offense in all of college football. And they if they had somebody's number one vote, it wouldn't bother me at all. Not to mention Utah is 4-0 and has two really good wins over Florida from the SEC and UCLA in conference without their starting quarterback. There are, and I haven't even mentioned USC this year with Caleb Williams coming back. 
multiple teams that are going to be in the run deep. It, the question remains, will they get a team in the playoff because they all play each other in November, they could cannibalize each other and once again get laugh, left out. But I do think the Pac-12 will get a their Pac-12 champion, I do think will get to the playoff this year. What about what you've seen from the SEC, though? Because it feels like there's no real dominant team that we should be scared of. Is that somehow related to NIL and transfer rules, or is this just kind of the way that it is now? I think it's two things, Trista. I think, it, one, it is absolutely the NIL. I'll, I'll tell you that in a second. But I also think they have a quarterback problem. Like, their quarterback play has been subpar at best. They've missed on some guys through the transfer portal. I mean, Alabama's a pretty good example of that. They bring in Ty Buckner from Notre Dame, and he was an abysmal quarterback. It was just bad. Um, Graham Mertz at Florida was the best quarterback they could find from Wisconsin in the open market. He's been pedestrian. Um, you know, Connor Wegman at Texas A&M, he gets hurt over the weekend. Max Johnson, other transfer quarterbacks playing. Like, there's just subpar quarterback play. But I think it's interesting. The NIL philosophy I do think is a worthy discussion to have because the SEC has lost its edge that it had over the course of history when they were paying players under the table and had bag men and were getting the best talent in the country. So now that everybody can do that, it kind of levels the playing field somewhat, but they're still, they're still, they're still worth willing and able to spend more than other schools. I think what it does too, is it, it prevents them from keeping and developing players. And I think that's more specific to a program like Alabama where they would have a guy who couldn't transfer out because there was a transfer portal. You know, there wasn't a transfer portal. You had to, to wait out a year and nobody wanted to. So you'd sit as a freshman, you'd learn, you'd watch, probably play a little bit your sophomore year. You're getting developed, you're getting more mature. And then you step in, bam, you're ready to go your junior year and you're like off to the races and off to the NFL draft. Now those players, they're like sitting around, they're getting called from other schools. Hey, we'll pay you to transfer to us. We'll pay you and you don't have to sit out a year. So they're bouncing. So I think absolutely NIL is contributing to the SEC kind of being coming back to the field and being just like everybody else. Danny, really quick, I want to go back to the ACC. You brought up Duke and the job Mike Elko's doing and big game coming up this weekend. They got it at home. They're five-and-a-half-point dogs to Notre Dame, who, let's be honest, probably should have beat Ohio State, but they had 10 guys on the field there. What are your thoughts on Duke and their ceiling in the ACC? Because the ACC is absolutely loaded. It really is. It's a little bit top-heavy. Like, the bottom is a little bit trashy. Virginia, Virginia Tech, down years. NC yeah. State's not as good. I wouldn't put them at the bottom. You know, Wake Forest just got beat by Georgia Tech. But the top six teams, I would say, are pretty deep. And uh, Duke is one of them. North Carolina is one of them. Mike Elko, so here's Duke's dilemma. You know, they better watch out. They don't want to be too good because Michigan State, you know, there's already been rumblings that he would be a perfect hire for Sparty with the Mel Tucker disaster that's unfolded, and he would. And then the big question is, can Duke spend to save him? And really, they can't because of the contracts that the SEC and Big Ten have with these TV companies. Their pockets are just, you know, three to four times bigger and deeper than anybody in the ACC. But I love what Mike Elko is doing. I still think the win over Clemson, another game. That game felt like Clemson lost, but Duke still took it to him. Riley Leonard, their quarterback, is really athletic. That neutralizes a lot of defenses that might have better athletes and bigger defensive linemen. That can neutralize that gap. So I think Duke, again, probably could be in that eight or nine uh, win category, which would be phenomenal. We, we saw that under David Cutcliffe a little bit. Duke can be a player in the ACC, I don't think they're in that 10-11 win stratosphere, which I think you'll probably have to be to play for the ACC championship. But yeah. it would be an incredible you know, year for Duke, for that, or back-to-back -back years if they could do that again. 
A uh, really quick follow-up. Which game scares you more for Florida State as a possible trip-up? You got October 21st at home against Duke, or you have Miami. That's the one that would make me a little bit nervous, November 11th, especially with the issues in the secondary right now for Florida State. I think Tyler Van Dyke may be, uh, might be able to Yeah, we're getting the there. Tyler Van Dyke that we saw yeah. two years ago when he was, you know, very trendy, you know, 24 touchdowns, six interceptions, was a projected first, you know, first-round pick in the NFL and then he comes back to reality that the Josh Gaddis offensive coordinator experiment was a bit of a disaster, and it almost ruined Tyler Van Dyke. I think it's a great story. This is his fourth offensive coordinator in four years. Like, good luck trying to be good when you're rotating that many thoughts in your head. It's hard enough to play quarterback trying to differentiate the different languages you've had to learn. But he's done a phenomenal job this year. That Texas A&M game was really his return to the big stage. Duke scares me a little bit from the, I hope Florida State better, you know, doesn't take them too lightly, but I think Duke will be ranked. I think they will take them seriously. Riley Leonard, again, I mentioned his running capability. That scares me some. I do think Florida State should be able to push them around and run the football better than they did against Clemson, more like they did against LSU. And it's got, it's got to be Miami. You know, another game that scares me, Florida State, is Gainesville. You know, the yeah. final final road game of the year. That game is always tough. Those rivalry games, you know, they it's it's so cliche. I hate it. But, you know, throw out the records. It's true, man. Those teams hate each other. The players, you get their best effort when you play them. So Miami, I would say, probably is the one that concerns me most. And then Florida second. And then probably Duke third. Talking Danny Cannell, BetMGM tonight. Uh, we can't talk college football and not mention Colorado, at least at some point. Uh, it's just fair. That's, that's that's what this has become now. What, 99% of the money, I think, was on Colorado in that game? Yeah, it was uh, one yeah. of the 1%. Yeah, Oregon showed there's a very big <laughs> difference in terms of what Oregon as a program is and what Colorado and what they're building. And I think it's awesome what they've been able to do so quickly. But, you know, in reality, we've seen they're just not at that level yet. What do you think the game against USC now looks like with Colorado heading into that, given what just happened against Oregon? I think offensively, it'll look very similar for USC. They should be able to score at will. They have so much firepower. Caleb Williams, Zachariah Branch, the young you know freshman phenom, is really coming to his own. I think they'll score at will. Here's what I think is interesting in that game, because I thought Oregon's defense was going to give Colorado a hard time. USC's defense is still a work in progress, as was evidenced this past weekend against a very poor Arizona State team where they're all of a sudden in a dogfight and Arizona State's able to put up points on them. They're, they're going to get tested. I mean, Shadur Sanders can run around and make plays. Colorado is getting really banged up. They lost yet another offensive skill player against Oregon last play of the game. I think it was uh, Edwards. I think it was Dylan Edwards they lost late in that game. So they're dealing with another injury on a very thin roster as it is because of this turnaround process. The only thing I want to know, because I think USC will call their number. I think it's, you know, 50-plus. Can Colorado score... 24, you know, 28, somewhere in there to keep it interesting or, or a backdoor cover type situation. I don't think USC is at any risk of losing, but I do think this one, because I was with you guys, I laid them and said, let's go. Let's see. Let's see Colorado. You got to prove it yeah. to me before I'm going to take you with those points. So I love the Ducks last week. This week, I'm a little bit more cautious of sort of a backdoor cover type situation. I'll kind of wait and see what that number closes at. What is it at now? Is it 24? Is that where it is? 21 and a half. Okay. Yeah. Man, I might be more tempted again to just lay them again. I thought it was 24 <laughs> or something like that. Because, that, I mean, Colorado, here's the other thing. They're a, like Arizona State, USC was looking ahead, not to Oregon, not to Washington, to Colorado. I mean, watch the Oregon Ducks players reactions in that locker room when they're flashing the watches and they're talking about all you know they were they wanted it more than Dan Lanning 
Like they players are jealous too of all the attention that the Colorado players have been getting. So that's the new territory that and it's a good it's a great problem to have that teams are focused on you and they want to play you, but it also is a big problem to have because those teams are better than you. So you're going to get USC's best effort. Now that I'm now it's down there, man. I might have to lay him again <laughs> until they prove it. I think it's going to be – like, I think be your, now you got to like, keep fading them every week anyway, yeah. Danny. Especially that's got to be your thing anyway. Yeah. That's it's your stick It's got to be your now. bit. Like, you got to commit <laughs> to the bit, Danny. Have you ever seen a team that's created this much controversy, this much, like, polarization between fan bases and the media as Dion in this Colorado program? I think there's one other player that did – it feels very similar. And it's Tim Tebow, not college Tim Tebow, because Tim Tebow dominated in college. Like, they were good. They were winning two, two titles. Tim Tebow in the NFL, to me, is so similar to what we're seeing with Dion, right? Because Tim Tebow did have an illustrious playing career at Florida, just like Dion had an illustrious playing career as a player. And he did have success at Jackson State, which is kind of different than what we're talking about now. So you got that similarity. You know, uh, Tebow had religious fanatics flocking to him that really didn't watch football or NFL. They just loved Tim Tebow. You're getting that kind of casual sports fan that loves the Dion story and the brash head coach. So they're kind of flocking to it, even though they don't really understand college football. And they're starting to buy in on, oh, wait, yeah, he's on 60 Minutes. They could win the national championship. Like, we're seeing game day and big noon kickoff there. Oh, his son's a Heisman Trophy candidate, like number one pick overall in the draft. Why can't he win the national championship? And then you mix in a little bit of race into this combustible mix, and it gets really heated and really emotional. It's the probably the closest thing. And then there's still people arguing with me about Tim Tebow because I mentioned this on Damn. social media, and like, well, Tebow did win a playoff game, and I'm like, <laughs> and it's the same thing with Colorado fans, like the Dion fans. They're coming right back saying, well, he did beat TCU. I'm like, well, can we just let this thing play out? Like, let's just let's just relax and enjoy it. And it's a lot of people that have come to the table, which is great for college football, that just don't really understand, like, why is Dan Lanning so mad? That's what college football coaches do. They look for ammunition. Like, look at Ryan Day. Look at what he did after their game. They look for stuff to get irritated by and to get fired up. And it's just – it's kind of crazy how fast this thing has grown and spiraled out of control. I think what's going to be interesting is not this year, because I think five or six wins is probably the realistic, you know, area where they settle – but next year, like, how does that look? Is he able to go attack the transfer portal and address the offensive and defensive lines? And, you know, Shador, they really have a tight window because Shador is really a talented player. Yeah. And it's going to be about two years. Yeah, it's it's social media is certainly the gas on that fire, too. But it's definitely not going away anytime soon. Danny Cannell, Dusty and Danny in the morning, Sirius XM College Sports Radio, Cover 3 podcast, as busy as anybody. Really appreciate you coming on and giving us the time. Thanks, man. You guys are Thanks. great, man. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's going to be one of those things. Colorado is going to be part of the conversation for a long, long time, especially this season. All right, going to look ahead a little bit to week four in the NFL. It's Bet MGM tonight.